Radio Drone. Where the hell else would you be on a Thursday night other than in front of your computer listening to Radio Drome with myself, Josh Hadley, Brad makes women cream in their shorts, Jones? I know exactly where I'll be. I'd be on Thursday night watching some crappy movie. Well, that's because we record this before Thursday, but for the people that are listening, you jackass. <laughs> and Alex can never show up on time, Jowski. I wouldn't be sitting in front of my computer on Thursdays. I'd get an app and listen to it someplace else. You're a total buzzkill. You know what? You, you didn't even show up on time, so screw you. To be fair, neither did I. Yeah, but you weren't as late. <laughs> so, Jowski, your penance, do the Adam and Eve promo. You have one take. Get it right. Go to adamandeve.com and use the promo code DROME. You get three free DVDs, free shipping off a single item. Um, no. Well, hold on. Let me do that over again. <laughs> you get three free DVDs. I, I'm f***ing it up, Josh. Free shipping on the first item. It's free shipping in the U.S., 50% off the right, first you, you, item, you, and then stop. a free mystery gift. You, you are completely gimping this. Use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com to get 50% off of a single item, free U.S. shipping, a free mystery gift, and three free DVDs. You are a gimp. You and I are different ages, and I don't really want to talk to Alex at the moment. What was the first movie you saw that was a worldwide phenomena? One of those movies that just... It took over the world for about two to three months. The first one I saw? My parents took me to see E.T. Beyond that, let me think. Of course, like, uh, I was I I was too young to have seen... Hell, I don't even know if I was born yet. I was at least too young to have seen Raiders in the theater, but Temple of Doom I certainly did. The rest of the Indiana Jones movies I did. God, off the top of my head, like Jurassic Park, Blair Witch Project, Matrix, all of those. I'm going to go along with the Jurassic Park, Matrix, and stuff. And yeah, my parents took me to see E.T. as well, and they refused to believe that the E.T. scared the crap out of a four-year-old and kept buying me the toys and the books. That never, I never had that experience. Like, I know a lot of people who were like, oh man, E.T. totally was going to rape me in my sleep. Ah. I think it's like, the scene where he, he's got his arms up and he's running at you going, Aah! Like, I never, like, I never did the, but I'm not, I'm not afraid. I, I don't have any kind of fear of clowns either or mimes or dolls or stuff like that. If anything, I think they're hilarious because they're creepy. Like, there's, to me, there's nothing more, nothing funnier than a creepy-ass freaking clown. Oh, but I but, love E.T. nowadays, but when yeah. I was a kid, man, that, that thing scared me. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't have that problem when I was a kid. I didn't think ET was scary. And any time, time in ET that I would have been like, oh, well, that's kind of creepy. It would have been a scene where like even Elliot thought it was creepy. You know, like at the beginning when he thought he was like a monster. But yeah, I have friends. I I have friends who to this day are more scared of ET than they would be at like a molesting uncle. <laughs> I saw E.T. in the theater since I'm a little older than you guys, and I actually saw all three Star Wars movies in the theater as well, plus mm -hmm. plus things like Conan and whatnot. Why do you think a movie like E.T. in 82 just gripped the world? And for those who are younger than even Brad and Alex, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, when this movie came out, every talk show was talking about it. It was on Saturday Night Live immediately. Every stand-up comic was making E.T. jokes. The toys were everywhere. Comic books, the merchandising. The, the, I mean, the movie was everywhere. And it was not confined to America. Why do you think E.T. just struck such a chord in 82? Word of mouth. 
word of mouth and it has mass appeal to not just one specific kind of audience but pretty much any audience you know it's not it's not an age specific movie it has a hot director behind it it has high 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 critical acclaim and at the time people would go to it feeling like they hadn't really seen a movie quite like that before or at least one that gripped them in that way given that particular subject matter and it's a very it's a very uplifting movie it's a very positive film it's a very it's a very non-offensive movie and so you mix all of those things together and you have yourself a very highly acclaimed movie that audiences are really going to flock to well there is the fact that it was a great movie and yeah. it it made people feel good about themselves they'd watch it and they're like oh the world's a wonderful place you know as opposed to something that would depress them it made them feel good, and they're like, you want to feel good? Go watch E.T. It'll make you smile. Which is kind of why John Carpenter's The Thing tanked in 82 theatrically. I mean, John Carpenter outright blames it on E.T. that people wanted a kind, uplifting alien movie, not what he gave them. The earliest one of those, those worldwide phenomena movies that I can think of, would be, I'm not sure if I'd go Planet of the Apes in 69 or... Or Deep Throat in 71 was the first one of those that that really for the modern era. Because, I mean, you remember seeing the old news footage, Brad. When you look back at the old news footage, this was everywhere, wasn't it? And especially for a hardcore, that was something different, wasn't it? And, yeah, and, and that same year, so was The Exorcist. I thought Deep Throat was 71. Exorcist, Exorcist was 73. Exorcist is 73. For some reason, okay, for some reason I also thought Deep Throat was 73. Was it, I, it might be. I, I thought it was 71, but maybe I'm wrong. Only one way to find out. Um, We're both wrong. It's 1972. Right in the middle then, Jones. So we're, we're both wrong. Fine. Fair enough. <laughs> but, but that's the one that I remember reading about, hearing about before I was born, as I was growing up that's the one that everyone said oh you know this is not new when it happened with jaws this is not new when it happened with empire this is not new when it happened with raiders that they're like this is just deep throat but with a non-porno so why do you think a movie like deep throat started the porno chic that it did for what did that last two years word of mouth on this thing here's a movie that has a plot that revolves around a woman deep-throating Harry Reem's dick, yeah, this kind of thing is, is probably going to strike a chord with, with certain audiences, and even audiences that normally aren't into that kind of thing but are going to be sort of titillated about the idea of it. You know, that's where the porno sheet comes in on it. So it's never... It's one of those things that's hard to explain because you can never quite predict when a phenomenon is going to happen, you know? But usually when it does whether we're talking Exorcist, whether we're talking E.T. or anything like that, it's more often than not solely based, or not, well, not solely, but it, it, it at least has one thing going for it, and that's very, very, very high word of mouth, and Deep Throat was, Deep Throat was the, the same thing. In Deep Throat's case, not necessarily that it was a good movie, just the kind of movie it was. But why yeah. do you think it, it caught on with your, your average middle American audience that, probably was not going to go to a theater to see a porno but they went out of their way because i mean deep throat was one of those date night movies 
because and that's it made, just so weird to think about, isn't it? Because it made mainstream attention. It was in the news. It got protested by feminists. It it hit mainstream media. Like this is it's it's the same kind of way of like people getting offended by people getting really offended and up in arms over I spit on your grave when it came out, even though even though movies like that have existed for years and years and years and years and a lot of them harsher than I spit on your grave was or just as at least it makes me it gets what it gets mainstream attention it gets it gets a, a, a little bit of a wider release than a typical movie of that kind do you think that has changed in the internet era I mean because the, the last one of these that I can really think of was the 90s you know, when the internet was still in its relative infancy, I mean, it was not in everybody's home. You weren't getting the internet on your phone and whatnot. I can't think of one in the last couple of years that made the same kind of impact that, say, Blair Witch or The Matrix did or the Lord of the Rings movies. I mean, The Hangover, The Avengers, maybe, but I, I, I don't see them on the same level of worldwide phenomena that Jaws or Star Wars had. Do you? Um, Mainly because attention spans are so short now like i i would say that i would certainly say that something like the avengers was a phenomenon when it came out it absolutely was and so was avatar but the difference being is that when this happened 20 or 30 years ago movies like that stuck around longer they they stayed in people's heads a lot longer because movies like that movies of that ilk weren't coming out so rapidly then attention spans are a lot shorter now because well social media it has people talking all the time about things that are new things that are coming up things that are cool now things that won't be cool in a couple of months it's a this day and age attitudes towards pop culture is a lot more fast-paced so something like something like the avengers sticks around a little bit more only because every six months or so we have a new movie in that franchise whereas the Hangover comes. Well, I don't know if I'd even consider Hangover to be like a phenomenon, but Av- okay, Avatar comes out. Avatar comes out. Avatar makes makes the most money of any billion movie dollars. Up until, I yeah, up up until that date, but we're not exactly still talking about it in the same way that we would talk about Jaws, and the same way we would talk about Deep Throat or The Exorcist or Raiders of the Lost Ark. It came and certainly had an impact, especially in 3D, but. People move on a lot quicker and attach attach themselves more onto the next great thing than they did back then. And also movies back then before the internet, movies created pop culture. Nowadays with the internet and everything, movies are more reflective of pop culture. Yeah, ex- exactly. It's, 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 it's a different attitude. It's a much different attitude and it's much, much quicker paced. It isn't like there was a bunch of blockbusters out at that time when Jaws came out. Nowadays, you have one about every other freaking week. And, and yeah, back also, back then, winter was your time to release blockbusters. Summer was like the dumping ground for, ah, nobody's going to watch this. Let's put it in the summer. Also, the fact that there were less screens. Multiplexes were new. So when Jaws was out, it was most likely the only movie that was playing in your town. I remember when I was a kid and it was a big deal and we got a theater that had eight screens i remember when it was a big deal and i'm going back to the early 80s here because i remember when i saw temple of doom it was on the second screen the theater had just installed a second screen and that might sound like science fiction 
to younger people, just like the same way my mom told me about the lines around the block when she saw The Exorcist in 73. That you don't see very often anymore, do you? With the multiplex being the way it is and being able to pre-order tickets and all that shit. Uh, the last time I saw that, midnight screenings for like a Star Wars film. The Star Wars films, they almost are in a category on unto themselves when it comes to that kind of thing. Because the Star Wars films, to me, have a certain kind of fandom issues what we would normally call fandom. You never saw people dressing up to go to see The Exorcist. People weren't dressing up as Chevy Chase's land shark from for to go see Jaws. Even I saw a, them dressing up for all the Harry Potter midnight screenings. No, I, but I'm, I mean, in Star Wars in its original run, by the time Empire came out, you had people dressing up as Darth Vader and as Han Solo going to see the movie. Th th that was kind of the start of that. I mean, do you think that Star Wars set everything even more in motion than Jaws did? Because I agree, Jaws was the first what we'd call the summer blockbuster, and then Star Wars was the big surprise because you got to remember, Star Wars was not the hit 20th Century Fox put their all their money in. That was Damnation Alley that they released at the same time. Yeah. All their advertising went to Damnation Alley. They thought this Star Wars was this goofy, it's that sci-fi stuff. That's kids stuff. They dismissed Star Wars as a kids movie. Well, it is. And then when it came time for Lucas to make the prequels, he took that attitude and ran with it. Yeah. We're going to have the, the alien step into poopy. The only thing that can compare to the Star Wars frenzy in the 70s and early 80s, not counting the prequels because it's still part of the same franchise, was the Lord of the Rings. With Lord of the Rings, though, everyone knew that was going to be a hit, and it was. Everyone, everyone knew Lord of the Rings was going to be a hit. They made all three. They made all those three of those movies back to back. Of course, people were going to show up in the theaters dressed as Gandalf, dressed as dressed as the Hobbits, dressed as whatever. But yeah, with yeah, with Lord of the Rings, yeah, it, it, it certainly had a lot of the same kind of fanfare as Star Wars. But everyone knew that that was going to happen. Got me like bummed out that. Jaws didn't pick that up because, you know, like midnight screenings of Jaws 2 with people coming dressed as Quint or something. Well, Quint's not in Jaws 2. Well, I know, but if Jaws 1 was that popular where people are like, oh! Well, the Han Solo's <laughs> not in the Star Wars prequels, but I still saw people dressed as him. Fair enough. But then, what about when these blockbusters, these, these phenomenons don't seem to jive with the critics the way they do with audiences. I mean, let, let's look at Star Wars, not called A New Hope yet. you got to remember, it was just called Star Wars. It was dismissed by every major critic initially. Almost all the critics within the science fiction community just called it kind of goofy sci-fi trash with brilliant special effects. It got some good review. Like, Roger Ebert gave it four stars. Especially within the science fiction community... I've got some old magazines from the time. It got almost negative to mediocre reviews across the board. And you got to remember, these are all pre-release reviews. I'm wondering if they had seen the phenomenon, if that would have colored their their reviews of it. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, if you want something that just got across the board, just horrible reviews from every critic ever, but was a huge phenomenon with audiences, Twilight. Independence Day. Did Paranormal Activity do well with the critics? Oh, yeah. yeah. The first one did. 
Oh, oh yeah. Honestly, the second one and the third one got fairly decent reviews too. It wasn't really until the fourth one when everyone was pretty unanimously like, "Wow, this is shit." Well, the third one got great reviews for they put the fan, the camera on a fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, did did you guys ever see any of these phenomenas after they became phenomenas for the first time and just went, "This sucks. Why is everyone loving this thing?" Twilight. You expected Twilight to be good. No, I never expected it to be good. I expected it to bomb horribly and then to not make the rest because there is a lot of franchises that come out with the first part that you'll never see the rest of. Uh, like Golden Compass, Last Airbender. Well, because the one I'm thinking of that, that where that happened to me was Blair Witch. I saw glowing reviews for this being called the scariest movie ever made. It was all about the marketing. It was, uh -huh. they had the documentary on the sci-fi channel, you know, weeks before the movie came out, where they were selling the fact that this was real. This isn't a movie. This is actual footage. The website, the documentaries, those all fed into it to create a hype before the movie oh, yeah. thing came out. That was I'm a not hype sure. machine, man. Like, that was... And, well, it was the and, birth and, of, of what I would call viral, the viral marketing for movies, really. The way that we think of it today, certainly. Yes. Yeah, it, that, that was hype to hell. Like, even... Even releasing it in select cities before going nationwide, just completely building up an audience for this thing, like a real slow burn with work, with initial word of mouth. They put some ingenious marketing into that flick, man. Like the actors in it didn't appear on the talk show circuit until like weeks after the movie had made big. Yeah. They, they wanted people to think those those kids had died. And see, I'm not sure if the reason I despised the movie when I saw it in 99 was that I was expecting too much because I'd already heard all the hype. I didn't see it till it had been out for two or three weeks. So everybody was telling me how amazing this was. So I don't know if that affected when I walked out of the theater going, that fucking sucked. I liked Blair Witch Project when I saw it, but I, I totally get that's that's a total human thing, though, to have hype just completely kill something for you it is i wouldn't go so far as to say it happens to me a lot because i typically see the like even back then i typically see these things like opening night or at least opening weekend now with the case of blair witch that had a lot of hype and positive very positive word of mouth built up to it before it even months before it even came out but hype didn't kill for me on that i thought blair witch was creepy back then i think it's creepy now I liked it, you know, and I was promoting it to people afterwards. Yeah. People were like, yeah. I'm going to go watch Wild Wild West. I'm like, no, you're not. You're going to go watch Blair Witch. That same summer had The Sixth Sense again, another oh, the huge Sixth Sense. Beast. But that was, that, was another, that was another surprise one, though. That yeah, was that another was the one surprise. That, that came out of nowhere. Because I remember I did see that opening night because I've always liked Bruce Willis. And I remember seeing the previews and was like, hey, what the hell? And I ended up liking it. And this is not an insult to The Sixth Sense. I was surprised that movie caught on because it was so intentionally slow and character-based. Honestly shocked when that became a phenomenon. Well, but it didn't waste any time. It's very character-based, but it's also... There's something really uneasy about it as the movie goes on. Like, even in quiet moments, there's a real haunting presence to these events. And it's characters that are incredibly well acted, and you really want to see you really want to see what these people are doing. You know, they're not just sitting around and doing nothing. The twist, too, the twist at the end, that really resonated with people. That was certainly 
the crying game of the late nineties in terms of twists, you know, that's, that's pretty much what people were talking about. And for years, everyone thought, Oh, M night Shyamalan. He is the next big thing. He is this genius. That is entertainment, to... entertainment weekly called him the next Spielberg. Uh, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> that, that and was now, a prediction that didn't pan out. Did it? N- now the guy's a laughing stock. And that's, that's unfortunate. It like, Man, that's that's a, that's another topic in and of itself, man. Like directors that started out pretty damn good and turned into After Earth. I mean, because <laughs> I like the guys. It, it it's not just Sixth Sense for me. I like the guys' early work. I I do. I mean, that's very com a common thing to say now. But I love Unbreakable. I don't think Signs is. I don't think Signs is a bad movie. He kind of lost me after that. <laughs> Well, th- that could be though he started to believe his own hype. Yeah, it. I mean, yeah. I mean, hype can hype will get to can get to any director, but you can still you can still churn out a good movie. You know, you can. Directors like Shyamalan, directors like Spielberg, directors like Tarantino, they have egos. They they do. It would be impos- It would be impossible for them not to. It would. It's 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 a human thing that these guys have egos, and I can't I, I cannot blame them for that. That's still not an excuse to churn out crap. Well, um, you brought up you brought up the crying game. Now, do you think a worldwide phenomena can happen even outside of the blockbuster? Because that I don't think I know anyone who personally saw that movie in the theater. Everybody I know saw a Crying Game on video. Do you think video changed it since that was not? an option back in Jaws, Blade Runner, Star Wars, things like that, that a movie like The Crying Game could catch on after it left theaters? I don't know, because The Crying Game was catching on with people even when it was in theaters. Like, when Crying Game was in theaters, I was hearing, again, because of the twist, I was hearing many people, many people talking about The Crying Game, especially critics. Like, that that was certainly a critical darling when it came out, but it did have... It did certainly have word of mouth going on with it when it was in theaters. The, the the first time I heard about the twist in the crying game and everyone was just, oh, my God, and they were so shocked. I'm like, what, you've never seen Sleepaway Camp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Crying Game came out, I was 12. There was no way I was. It was not my type of movie to see in theaters. And when we heard about the twist, we're like, ew, that's gross, because we were 12. Now, I didn't see Reservoir Dogs until video. You brought that same, up. Same here. Same here. I don't know what that did theatrically, but again, almost everybody I know saw that on video for the first time. You know, Reservoir Dogs is different than The Crying Game. Reservoir Dogs started hitting really, really big with audiences after Pulp Fiction. I didn't hear about Reservoir Dogs until Pulp Fiction became a hit. A lot of people I know is the same way. Reservoir Dogs was certainly a critical darling. Way, 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 way more people started hearing about Reservoir Dogs after Pulp Fiction's success. I, it was somebody had recommended Reservoir Dogs to me that so I got it from the video store and I'm like, oh, this is made by the Pulp Fiction guy. Yeah, I I cannot a hundred percent remember which one of those I saw first. I think I saw Dogs first, but I, it was probably after Pulp Fiction came out. The first thing Tarantino related I saw was True Romance. And see, uh, I I did too, but I didn't know who this Tarantino guy was at the same time. here. So same here. I did see True Romance first, but I did never clocked it to. Well, this is the Reservoir Dogs Pulp Fiction guy. Yeah, it, after I saw Pulp Fiction, 
It was like, oh, okay. He also wrote True Romance. Right on. Pulp Fiction's the first. I, I, Pulp Fiction's the first movie I saw of his knowing who he was. Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, te- or I'm sorry, uh, True Romance. I technically saw first. Natural Born Killers in theaters, and then went and watched Pulp Fiction on video. The Natural Born Killers is. I mean, even Tarantino says it's more of an Oliver Stone film than it is a Tarantino film. Still has his name slapped on it. That I yeah. don't know which one I saw. I don't know if I saw that. I, I might have seen Natural Born Kill. No, no I, I, I probably saw that after Pulp Fiction. How long after Pulp Fiction did Natural Born Killers come out? I don't remember. Pulp Fiction was 94. What was... Natural Born Killers might have been er- first then, because... I no, think they were that both, was 93 or 92, wasn't it? They were both 94, according okay. to IMDb. But I remember watching Natural Born Killers in theaters and shortly after watching Pulp Fiction okay, on video. I was, I'm kind of like Josh there. I couldn't remember <laughs> if it was 93 or if it was, I, if it was the same year. I, if, I, if, I graduated in 93, and I just remember it being right around when I graduated high school. They were the same year, out, but Natural Born Killers came out, came out earlier in the year. Yeah, if it if it came out if it came out the same year, then I definitely saw Pulp Fiction first because I I didn't see Natural Born Killers in the theater. I rented it. Uh, I did the same thing because I rented the unrated director's cut. You you, you remember that two tape set? I I rented that too. But then what about when a, a phenomenon happens that is such a surprise they didn't even advertise it properly, such as the Road Warrior. Yeah. No one saw The Road Warrior being as popular as it was. It's a sequel to a film that never even got a wide U.S. release. I think Italians saw it that way, man. Yeah. But but, but, I mean, this was just – Mad Max was just starting to show up on cable. They didn't call it Mad Max 2 because they – you know, why should we call it a sequel to a film no no one over here has seen? And then when the film hit, George Miller was like – what happened in a good way but he's like what happened why didn't this happen with mad max i didn't even know it was a sequel to mad max until halfway through and joe bob briggs goes to commercial and says oh this is mad max 2 yeah i knew it was i knew it was when i saw it uh because i actually saw mad max before i saw the road warrior things just happen you know like the right movie hits at the right time when it doesn't when it probably doesn't have much else competing in the way of the same audience and it resonates with people big word of mouth friends tell their friends friends tell their friends people go see this and in the case of the road warrior you know people go see it and just have a really damn good time the same thing goes when in 1968 when no one none of the people knew that behind it knew that night of the living dead was going to be as big as it was you also go back to ones that were technically flops, yet still became a phenomenon, like Lynch's Dune. That was everywhere. The term you're looking for is sleeper hit, Josh. According to Raffaella De Laurentiis, shut up, I'm close to the right name, that movie still has barely made back its budget today. That was never a sleeper hit. That movie never made any money. Dune is a, that's a different thing in and of itself. That movie had a lot of hype when it, that movie had a lot of hype when it came out, and it it didn't go over well with critics. It didn't go over well with fans. It bombed. Then over time, it's sort of been reflected upon a bit more fondly than it was back then. Maybe not not to the extent that of something like John Carpenter's The Thing. I know way more people who like Dune 
than I do people who don't like Dune. I could take or leave Dune. I've tried giving that movie multiple chances, and I just get bored. What about something like Blade Runner? Blade Runner basically changed sci-fi movies. I mean, you look at like the direct-to-video stuff that came out, or, or the cheap exploitation stuff, right after Blade Runner. And Road Warrior did the same thing, except Road Warrior made money. Blade Runner flopped at the box office, yet still set, set the tone for what would follow. Do you think that's more or less often the case? That, that these films that, that don't do well still end up changing things? Such as, usually I think it, it happens the opposite way. Like Paranormal Activity came in, and I think it pulled a, a Blair Witch. You know, I mean, it was that ultra low. What was Paranormal Activity made for? What, a, ten grand, yeah. something like that. And so, so, in the case of something like Blade Runner, can it be considered a hit since it changed everything, even if it didn't make money? Uh, because the right people saw it, the right the right people see the movie, the right people see it who can actually make some kind of a difference in the in the in the style of of how certain movies are made. It it hits it hits a chord with the exact audience that it's going for. I mean, you can kind of say the same thing about when Fight Club came out. When Fight Club came out, even in 1975, when originally the Rocky Horror Picture Show was a flop, and then became then that Jesus Jesus did that become a phenomenon in 1975? It still is, but well, yeah, upon, no, upon I, its initial release, it didn't do that well. No, I see exactly what you're saying because Rocky Horror Picture Show is a perfect example of that. Did not do well on wide release, but did amazing business when it was released to the Midnight Circuit. And sometimes the exact opposite happens. At one point in the late 70s, John Lennon bought the rights to Jaredowski's El Topo and released it nationwide. And it flopped. It went back to the Midnight's and started making all its money again. That it was just, this movie does not work for a mainstream audience. Well, you can never correctly predict something like that, you know? Um, things are just, they gotta happen natural, you know? I mean, well, I mean, well, I, mean I guess they don't necessarily have to, because you can, you can try forcing a phenomenon to happen, and it still might make money, of course, but look at the case of, look at the case of shock treatment in 19, in, uh, in the early 80s. Was that 81 or 83? Uh, uh, it might even be right in the middle. I seem to remember. I seem to be thinking 82, but I'm uh, wrong too. Uh, look at shock. Look at shock treatment. A movie that they they specifically they specifically made it to kind of capture the same lightning in the bottle that the Rocky Horror Pictures show did. They were intentionally releasing this thing at midnight audience at very weird times throughout the day. And it went nowhere. Gotten, you can't make a cult film. A cult film has to happen. Yeah, I mean, and it's unfortunate because I like Shock Treatment. I, I do. I really do like Shock Treatment a lot. I should watch it again. I haven't seen it since uh, MTV showed it once in the, like, 89 or something on, you know, mm -hmm. like, 3 in the morning. So I even saw it edited, and I hated it. But uh, maybe I'd like it if I'd watched it again. I rented it on VHS. I watched it once, and I'm like, that didn't suck as bad as it did, did it? I'm like, yeah, that sucked. When I first saw it, when I was like, I don't know, probably 12, something like that, no, I didn't really care that much for it. But looking at it, uh, but looking at it again some years, some years later, I, I've seen the movie several times now. I, 
I dig the hell out of it. I think the movie is, I think that the message of the movie is well ahead of its time, considering how it's about, it's about fly-by-night reality celebrity and completely satirizes that one minute on this reality-based show you will be a superstar, and then in the same day you'll just be complete freaking shit probably why i still don't like it because i watched it long before that ever happened to society yeah i think i think shock jubit has a lot more to say that people didn't really catch 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 on in 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 1981 there's a lot of movies that do that look at like network yeah Net, network i mean it didn't do bad but it didn't do as well as it would today because in the 70s when that was made it was almost science fiction by, by them saying TV is going to become this much of a circus. Yeah. And then when you look at even by the late 90s, you, you went, wow, everything that they were joking about has now come true. This movie is now prescient, but it wasn't then. Hitchcock's Vertigo was one that was ahead of its time that critics and stuff at the time, it didn't connect with audiences. But nowadays, nowadays people think it's his greatest movie. Do you think that that there has been a sea change, not just because of, like you said, Brad, the attention spans. Do you think that there is just too much product now? Because back when Jaws came out, you didn't have video. Broadcast TV wasn't really any kind of competition. That when these films make such an impact, that because they stuck around longer, they stuck around in your mind, that a movie like Jaws is still seen today as being part of that phenomenon, whereas who really even remembers that The Matrix was that big in 99? I think if The Matrix didn't have... More people more people remember how crappy the follow-ups of The Matrix were than, than The Matrix. The Matrix <laughs> was arguably good. It had plot holes, and you know I'm a nitpicker that really bothered me. Overall, I enjoyed the first film. And most uh, people remember the overuse of bullet time in every movie and all the yeah. parodies of The Matrix. and Yeah, and, 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 and yeah, Jaws had sequels that people didn't like either, but not as bad as Matrix 2. Not as quickly movie. either. And not, yeah, yeah. Because Jaws um, 2 wasn't till what, 77 or 8? Eight? 8. So it was um, a couple of years at least. And and also the Matrix was also building itself up as this perfect science fiction trilogy as well, which Jaws didn't do that. Jaws was just like, here's Jaws two, here's Jaws three, here's Jaws four. But no, you're I you're exactly right in that yeah the the short attention span of it does have to do with there are there is a lot of freaking product nowadays. I think it also has to do with when something does strike true with the public and the public latches onto it. So many people exploit that so much that any love people had for the original is killed through just how oversaturated they are in it. How how it's how it's on comic books and coloring books and T-shirts and action figures and you, you yeah. just let's say for the sake of this next argument, Phantom Menace didn't suck. Seeing Jar Jar Binks and Jake Lloyd on every piece of merchandise ever. Well, that that goes. Does that along help with, it or hurt it? Well, that. Uh, movies in the 80s did that too. There, that that's not that wasn't any kind of new thing with that. If we're talking T-shirts, coloring books, yeah. merchandise, and stuff like that, that's as old as Star Wars. But like, it's 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 more annoying in the sense when that happens and the product turns out to be crap. 
when the Dawn of the Dead remake came out. I, I kind of liked it, but it started such a huge zombie boom, and there were so many zombie movies that it made me hate the Dawn of the Dead remake. And you know what? Th- that does kind of happen, too. Let's, let's let's go back to Shyamalan. I know people that loved The Sixth Sense back then and now can't stand it because of what Shyamalan has become, that, uh. that it somehow taints, even tangentially, their love of what the first film was at the time. Yeah, and that's an unfortunate thing to happen. But I, it's it's one of those deals where it's, you can see how somebody, you, you can see how, you can see how it would have that effect on somebody because look, okay, let's look at the Hangover movies just because off the top of my head, when the first one came out, yeah, I liked it. I thought the first Hangover movie was pretty funny. The second one and the, especially the third one are so bad. I do not know if I'll ever have the desire to sit down and watch the first one. I don't know if I would ever have the desire to sit down and watch the first Paranormal Activity movie again because of how bad the fourth one got. Like it, it puts you in a bad it puts you in a bad mood to even think about those movies. So I get that. I I do. I I get it. I don't have that problem with Shyamalan. I don't because I still love The Sixth Sense and I still love Unbreakable. So Signs I is pretty good too. Yeah, Signs is fine. I don't have. Signs is one that I think gets a lot of flack now that he is kind of a laughing stock because when Signs came out, that was when, critically that yeah. was that was critically reviewed across the board. Everybody loved, and I, I worked at the movie theater at the time Signs came out. Brad, we yeah. ran that for almost eight straight months, and oh, that yeah, was yeah. still selling tickets. Yeah, Signs, Signs, yeah, exactly. It was a hit with audiences. It was cer- it was certainly a hit with critics. Now, I know a lot of people who lump Signs in with stuff like Lady in the Water. And, dear God, it's, it's, I don't like Signs as much as Unbreakable and Sixth Sense, but I do like it. And dear God, is it better than Lady in the Water? Most things in the world are better than Lady in the Water. Yeah. After the, the, after the village, I was done with him, so I never saw Lady in the Water. I wasn't done with him after the village. After the village, I was like, "Well, that was okay. Maybe his next one will be better." So yeah, with when the with the village, it was kind of like, "Okay, hopefully the next one will be better, and he'll get his not back." You know? Yeah, Lady in the Water was worse. At least the happening was funny. At least I could say a couple nice things about Adrian Brody was good in it. Bryce Dallas Howard was good in it. That's about it. I called that freaking movie from the trailer. Yeah, that, that there are a couple of movies I've done that for, such as uh, that one with Nicole Kidman and the go- the others. I didn't necessarily call that one, but when it happened, I wasn't really surprised. I, I, I called that. I didn't see that movie for years uh-huh. after that trailer, and I knew what the plot twist was just from the trailer, and I had a couple of friends go, you're pretty much right. And then when yeah. I finally saw it, I went, this is all so telegraphed that you're not even trying to make a plot twist at this point. Well, to be fair, when you know the twist, it's going to come across telegraph. Is that any worse than What Lies Beneath, how Zemeckis puts the plot twist in the trailer? No, when you put the twist in the trailer, that is worse, because you're literally putting the twist in the trailer. But when you when you already know the twist of something... Of course you're going to think it's telegraphed. If you know that Bruce Willis is dead at the end of the Sixth Sense, you're going to watch you're going to watch that movie and it's going to look completely obvious. It's honestly same with the Crying Game. If you know the twist in the Crying Game, you're going to look at it and go, "Well, they're obviously in a gay bar. I wonder what's going to happen." 
but yeah, and, it's and the it's different. Game, it's not even a twist ending. Yeah, it's a twist halfway through. It's a twist um, middle. But yeah, if you watch, if you sit down and watch something and you don't know that there's a twist in it, it's probably not going to be that obvious to you. And that was kind of my deal with the others. I didn't know that there was a twist in it, but you ever see, you ever see those movies that have a twist in it, and when the twist happens, it's not that you see it coming, but you're definitely not surprised. You're just kind of like, well, that happened. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, like that. But see, when it comes to like something like What Lies Beneath, I thought. I had I th- I was giving Zemeckis more credit than he deserved. I thought, okay, he gave that away in the trailer. That can't be the plot twist. So when I'm watching the movie and they reveal it, I'm like, okay, now there's going to be a double plot twist. And there wasn't, and I just went, son of a bitch. Yeah. I gave him a- too much credit for that movie. Which is a shame because I thought that movie had that movie had some creepy moments in it. Yeah, if you don't know what's going in from the freaking advertising. Yeah, yeah. It, and, that's as bad as the Planet of the Apes DVD set that shows the Statue of Liberty on the cover. You just go, right. wow, I guess the younger audiences don't need to be surprised, right? Zemeckis is notorious for that, though, putting stuff like that in his trailers. He also did that with Castaway. Well, should we get to uh, the Scream phenomenon? Uh, yeah, we should. See, Scream is one I totally missed in the theater. And just like Blair Witch, I didn't rent it until after it was out on video for a couple of weeks. And every single person, every horror movie magazine, all the horror websites, everyone was praising this film as being so shockingly original and amazing. Maybe that's why. No, no, I, I, I will not say that because that movie just straight out sucked. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of Scream either. I saw it in the... I saw it in the theater. This is kind of weird. I've seen all of them in the theater. I saw the first one in the theater. Everyone was talking about Scream. Like, it was the rebirth, resurgence of the slasher movie genre. This is the movie that's turning slasher movies on its heels. It's it's bringing them back. It's doing something new, something original with it. It did none it's of that. Fu- it's funny, and it's also scary. Blah, 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 blah. And it's a critical darling. It's an audience darling. Like, left and right, I was hearing about this thing. Everyone went to go see Scream, who, who, who's a fan of the genre. And so I go see it. I saw it in the theaters, and I was like, I'm not, I didn't really think it was that funny. I definitely didn't think it was scary. And the only original thing that it's doing is just that it's saying, like, hey, this situation is kind of like a slasher movie. Huh, what gives? Didn't it, Slaughter High do that back in, like, 83? No, you're thinking of uh, you're thinking of uh, student bodies. Student bodies, sorry. Yeah, student bodies is to me. Student bodies did it more clever than Scream because Scream, all Scream did was just have characters get all meta and say like, "Whatever you do, don't say I'll be right back." I'll be uh, right back. Yeah. After oh my God, this is up. the Virgin's gonna survive. Don't show your tits or you're gonna die. Oh crap! This is like a slasher movie. Student Bodies was way more clever than Scream, because Student Bodies, Student Bodies was more of a naked gun airplane. It was more of a sat. It was more of a satire than a meta exploration. Yeah, and I like that. Well, depending. Well, Well, and Student Bodies actually was funny too. Depending on the depending on the movie. And Student Bodies was actually funny though too. Yeah, I thought Student Bodies was very funny. You had someone who was, he was like Woody Allen's writing partner who co-wrote that movie. Might have directed it too, I can't remember. 
yeah, it, I, I thought Student Bodies was hilarious at the time. At the time, I mean, it, the reason that a modern audience might not find it as funny is it's not that rapid fire type of Family Guy humor where there's literally a joke every ten seconds. You actually have to wait for the buildup to a joke in Student Bodies, and when it happens, you go, "That was pretty clever, actually." Uh, not even Family Guy is like that anymore. You have to watch five minutes of someone's trying to start a tractor, and that's humor. Ugh. We're not going to get into that. I dragged my dad to see Scream with me in theaters because of the word of mouth the movie was getting. And I'm like, well, that was just a dumb slasher movie. This is not going to be anything, you know. And it was. And my friends and I were infuriated at all of the hype that the movie was getting. And we hated it so much that when the second one came out, we went to watch it in theaters specifically to make fun of how crappy it was. Mm-hmm. Ah, the, 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 the ticket sale made out of spite. Exactly. Pretty well, much, yeah. And, and then what... Yeah, Scream certainly brought back the slasher genre. There were more slasher movies after that than there were the few years before Scream, but... But there were uh, better slasher movies in the 80s than anything. Yeah, yeah Friday, the 13th, Friday the 13th spawned much better knockoffs than Scream. Yeah, because they were at least genuine. Those movies were at least... Those movies were at least genuine. The ones after Scream, you could tell that they're all relatively similar in freaking tone because they literally have the same damn box cover. Oh, don't even No, we're not going to go back to that, Brad. But I want to ask you, why do you think then Scream became the phenomenon that it did, even with like the horror community? Like I said, you go back and pick up a Fangoria or any of the horror magazines from when that came out, they're critically praising this. Why do you think it struck such a chord, yet now is seen as such a benchmark of shit? I know I know people who still like Scream. I, I do. I know plenty. I don't know if it's... I don't think it's at the point where it's like a benchmark of shit. Uh, I, I still know people who, who like it and who, who enjoy it very, very, very much. I just particularly don't. I don't know. I think something like Scream is completely subjective because if you find it funny, if you laugh at it, if you certainly see the humor in it and it makes you giggle, yeah, you're going to like it. I just didn't find it funny because I found absolutely nothing genuine or smart about it at all. I actually found it kind of insulting to the horror, to the slasher genre, really. Yeah, it painted them with... It, <laughs> it feels weird saying this about slashers, but it certainly painted them with a very broad brush. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I know what you're saying, even though I agree that does sound weird how you said it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something managed to find a way for you to say something about that about it like that about a slasher movie and Scream did it. <laughs> yeah, is, is is it weird when you when when you said yeah, but the Prowler was a much more real movie. Yeah, it is because the Prowler is at least genuine. Prowler's brutal, man. Uh huh. Oh, that that's that Prowler creeped me out in '81. That that movie it really makes you like when when she gets stabbed with the pitchfork in the shower, you mm-hmm. just go, oh God, does that look painful. You yeah, don't do, yeah, you don't do that in a modern slasher, do you? No, not a lot of the mainstream ones you don't. Worldwide phenomenons now, you know, it's hit or miss. Like, you would have one every year, and that would define pulp culture. But nowadays, movies are so reactive to what's popular that this movie better be like this because this is what's popular right now. That you're going to have movies that are hits because that they're cashing in on what you have right now that... 
the ones that make history, the ones that this was new and original and people try to emulate, those are few and far between nowadays. You'll find movies that really resonate with audiences nowadays. You certainly will every summer. But there are so many of them nowadays. There are so many blockbusters. There are so many movies that while something may certainly have some critical lasting power and even with certain audiences, it's just going to be the hype of them is just going to go by a little more quick, quickly now than it than it used to. I agree with what you're saying. Now, this is where the cinema snob in me comes out. I think the movies like Star Wars, Road Warrior, Jaws, and that were just more well-made than movies like Scream and Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity and The Hangover and that. But that's a personal opinion rather than a professional one. I don't think it's just... It's not just that, though. It, it, it isn't just that at all. There is a lot more that sucks nowadays than sucked back then. See, you're uh, you're turning into me. No, it's no. I agree. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing in the sense that that move that there there that there are slightly more sucky blockbusters now than there used to be. But that's not the only thing contributing to how quickly a phenomenon go comes and goes. Well, I think part of that has to do with the mass marketing itself. When when a movie like Jaws was made, when even when Star Wars was made, because like I said, Fox didn't really even want to release it. It was that goofy kids stuff. Nowadays, you make movies to be blockbusters. When Jaws and Star Wars were made, they were just made as movies that became blockbusters. No, 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 no. They did stuff like that 30 years ago, too. They did stuff like that with E.T. They did that with Raiders of the Lost Ark. They're just slightly better movies. They're just better movies than a lot of them coming out nowadays but that's that's not a new phenomenon that is not something that was created by the avengers or anything like that well where, where can we find makes women wet jones the cinemasnob.com where can we find alex bananahead geekjuicemedia.com and you can find me at 1201beyond.com geekjuicemedia.com and you can contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com have a good night guys wake up wake up Huh? Where the hell have you been? I've been calling on life, but you haven't answered. I've been worried as hell. Have you been drinking? And who's Cameron? Oh, shit.
Radio Drone is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.